This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Elon Musk ended his takeover bid for Twitter, according to a letter to the social media firm from his lawyers. It cited, quote, false and misleading statements made by Twitter before the deal was agreed on. For weeks, Mr. Musk had threatened to abandon the $44 billion purchase, alleging the firm had underrepresented the number of bot accounts on its site. The merger involved a $1 billion termination fee. Twitter's board said it would sue to enforce the acquisition agreement. Police in Japan said the 41-year-old man who assassinated Shinzo Abe held a grudge against a, quote, specific organization that he associated with the former prime minister. Mr. Abe was shot while making a speech in the western city of Nara ahead of parliamentary elections on Sunday. Mourners gathered at the scene of the assassination on Saturday to pay tribute to their former leader. Thousands of Sri Lankan protesters stormed the country's presidential palace, demanding the resignation of Gotabaya Rajapaksa, the president. They blame him for the country's financial crisis, rapid inflation, as well as for shortages of food and fuel the central bank defaulted on its debt for the first time in May. Despite months of protests, Mr. Rajapaksa, who is part of a Sri Lankan political dynasty, is refusing to budge. President Joe Biden approved a new weapons package worth $400 million for Ukraine, which includes advanced rocket systems and ammunition. On Friday, Ukraine repeated calls for more weapons from the West as Russian forces continued their advance through the Donbass region. Earlier, a regional official warned that the city of Severodonetsk is facing a, quote, humanitarian disaster, almost two weeks after being captured by Russian forces. Rishi Sunak, Britain's former chancellor, threw his hat in the ring in the contest to replace Boris Johnson as the next leader of the Conservative Party, and thus prime minister. He said he would not tell, quote, comforting fairy tales a reference to his fiscal policy disagreements with Mr. Johnson, who favored looser purse strings. The timetable to replace Mr. Johnson will be determined next week. He intends to stay on as prime minister until the contest is concluded. Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, began talks with Wang Yi, his Chinese counterpart, to discuss, among other things, the war in Ukraine, Taiwan, and trade. Speaking ahead of the meeting, which is taking place in Bali, the pair stressed the importance of diplomacy. Neither side, however, expects any major breakthroughs. José Eduardo dos Santos, who was president of Angola for nearly 40 years, died in Barcelona, where he was living in self-imposed exile. Mr. dos Santos, who stepped down in 2017, was 79. His rule was marked by a protracted civil war, repression, and widespread government corruption that enriched his own family. And word of the week, revenge traveling, to describe pent-up demand for getaways after time spent at home in the pandemic. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. After Abe's assassination Shinzo Abe, Japan's former prime minister, was fatally shot on Friday as he delivered a stump speech ahead of elections to the upper house of the Diet scheduled for Saturday. Fumio Kishida, the current prime minister, pledged to hold the vote despite the killing, vowing to, quote, protect our democracy and, quote, not succumb to violence. 
The election has been seen as an opportunity for Mr. Kishida to pull away from Mr. Abe's influence within the ruling Liberal Democratic Party. Instead, he will be scrutinized over his management of the fallout from his predecessor's assassination. Japan has long seen itself as a peaceful place. Guns are strictly regulated and political violence rare. Japan recorded only one gun death in 2021. But that sense of safety dissipated in an instant when the 41-year-old assassin felled Mr. Abe. Quote, I feel a sense of crisis that the foundation of our democracy is shattered, wrote Hirakawa Eri, a prominent political journalist. Many Japanese feel the same. China's Inflation Exceptionalism First in Latin America, then in Eastern Europe, and finally in Asia, inflation has ripped through low- and middle-income countries. It now exceeds the official target in every big emerging economy bar one, points out Natalia Gurushina of VanEck, a mutual fund manager. The exception, of course, is China. Figures out on Friday will probably show that consumer price inflation remains below the government's target of 3%. That may not be the case for much longer. Pork prices have begun to rise, and the government is preparing a big infrastructure push that could exceed 7 trillion yuan, or $1 trillion this year, according to Morgan Stanley. What might keep inflation at bay is another outbreak of COVID-19 and a repeat of the lockdowns that crippled large parts of the economy in April and May. New infections in three provinces and Shanghai look ominous. It is not easy to slay inflation, but killing the economy is one way to do it. Love Parade Returns to Berlin it has been nearly 20 years since Berlin pulsed to the beat of the Love Parade, a free annual techno music festival. On Saturday, sound systems will blare for its successor, the Rave the Planet Parade. Love Parade grew from 150 ravers in 1989 to 1.5 million at its peak a decade later. But when local authorities and festival organizers fought over security and cleaning expenses, the party was called off. In 2005, the brand was sold to a businessman who later moved the event outside the German capital. In 2010, after 21 partygoers died in a crush at a festival in Duisburg, the new owner vowed there would be no more. But Rave the Planet Parade is Love Parade reincarnated. Dr. Motte, the DJ who helped organize the early parties, is back behind the decks. The organizers have even applied for Berlin's techno scene to be recognized by UNESCO and they are looking for volunteers to help clean up the next day. Thor, what is it good for? Marvel's last film, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, conjured up $450 million at the global box office on its opening weekend in May. Hopes are therefore high for Thor, Love and Thunder, which is released in America this weekend. But the Asgardian superhero's fourth film does not warrant thunderous applause. Like Thor Ragnarok in 2017, the new film is a self-parodying interstellar romp directed by Taika Waititi of Jojo Rabbit fame. This time, though, the jokey irreverence and eccentric plotting come at the expense of narrative urgency. If Thor, a Jim-honed Chris Hemsworth, and his newly superpowered girlfriend Jane, Natalie Portman, are meant to be rescuing a group of kidnapped children from a mass-murdering alien, Christian Bale, why are they wandering around the galaxy trading sitcom quips? 
Thor is the first character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have enjoyed four solo films. Three would have been plenty. Weekend Profile Xiao Jinhua, a tycoon in trouble with Chinese authorities. The year before he was abducted by Chinese agents from his suite in Hong Kong, Xiao Jinhua was worth an estimated $6 billion. He made his riches brokering deals for some of China's elite political families, often helping to scoop up or offload valuable stakes in companies. But his connections to the ruling class also led to his downfall. Mr. Xiao, aged 50, is on trial in Shanghai, although the details of the charges and proceedings against him are secret. The entrepreneur grew up poor in the eastern province of Shandong, but in the 1980s won a spot at Peking University, one of China's leading schools. Amid the student protests in Beijing in 1989 that led to bloodshed in Tiananmen Square, Mr. Xiao remained loyal to the Communist Party and opposed the demonstrations. This probably helped win the trust of the powerful families who would support his business. His company, Tomorrow Group, grew rapidly and expanded across industries such as natural resources, property, and finance. It was no ordinary business. Mr. Xiao developed a reputation as a, quote, bagman for the elite, someone who brokers investments for politicians' relatives. In 2006, he was linked to the privatization of a large power company in his home province. The son of Zheng Qingdong, one of China's highest-ranking officials, was behind the deal. In 2013, Mr. Xiao brokered a deal to sell shares in a company owned by the sister and brother-in-law of Xi Jinping, the country's president. The next year, he admitted those connections to the New York Times. That may have been a fatal mistake. Perhaps sensing that the political winds could shift, in 2008, Mr. Xiao acquired Canadian citizenship. Shortly after the Times report, he fled to Hong Kong and took up residence in the Four Seasons Hotel. He was rarely seen in public and was often surrounded by female bodyguards. In early 2017, Mr. Xiao was abducted from his room by Chinese agents who whisked him back to the mainland. Tomorrow Group collapsed. Several of his assets, such as Baosheng Bank, required state bailouts. For the past five years, he has been assisting financial authorities unwind his crumbling business empire. Mr. Xiao's trial suddenly kicked off in Shanghai on July 4th, but little is known about it. The only official confirmation of it has come from Canada's foreign ministry. Given the dirt he has on China's ruling class, it is very likely that the proceedings will remain secret. The winners of this week's quiz Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Shin Inagaki, Tokyo, Japan North America, Wanda Nagel, Kelso, United States Central and South America, Martin Whittle, Sao Paulo, Brazil Europe, Jonas Balsiunas, Kuanas, Lithuania Africa, Hasit Raja, Nairobi, Kenya Oceana, Peter Sloan, Glen Iris, Australia they all gave the correct answers of Copenhagen, Berkeley, Poland, Stockholm, and Tennessee. The connecting theme is that they all have elements named after them. Hafnium, after Hafnia, the Latin name for Copenhagen. Berkelium, Polonium, Holmium, after Holmia, the Latin name for Stockholm, and Tennessee. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike.
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alice Paul, who died on this day in 1977. When you put your hand to the plow, you can't put it down until you get to the end of the row. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.